coming to you live from the Wright Bell Studios here on Isle Delfino. This is the Untitled Bingo Show. And now, your host, Modest Tomato. Yo, that's me. Dude, I'm getting hard carried by this charisma, Lego. I, I appreciate it more than you could know. <laughs> What's up? Welcome to the Untitled Bingo Show. Uh, I got my co-host, Lego, here. Hello, hello. And for today's guest, we have the one, the only one. Hey! Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Look, you, you fulfilled all the secret requirements. That yeah, this, this, the so. secret requirements for, uh, for, for this particular podcast. But yeah, first episode of uh, what we're hoping to become a, a regular thing. If God, you know, fate's willing, I suppose. A weekly thing? Yeah, weekly thing. Yeah. Ooh. That's fun. Let me see if I can yep. get the uh, let me see if I can get you jokers a little louder. Um but yeah. So yeah. T- so we the reason why it's untitled bingo show. Can you can tomato, can you explain yeah, the I, uh, the history here? I, I got this. I got this. So basically, we had a lot of amazing name ideas. And but we needed to run it by the elite first. And then a man who goes by the name <laughs> Ramato 13 just so happened to dislike all of our amazing name ideas. So what we decided is we will let the identity, the name of this podcast, be decided by the people. And you too <laughs> should get out there and vote because this, you are making this show what it is. Yeah. So so, so get some goal. get some ideas in your head. We're gonna we're, we'll figure it out um, sometime this week. Um, I'll probably make a channel in the in the league Discord or something, and we will you'll figure out what we're gonna call this thing because Rimastino detests like half the names we came up with. We had so many good names. Yeah, there's Win Conditions, right? There Pinna was Rush podcast. Pinna, the Pinna Rush Podcast, first to thirteen. Ramada wanted it to be called the Delicioso Inferno Podcast, but this guy, wow, it's too specific, dude. Yeah, Three thumbs down. I mean, yeah, what if the meme dies? You know. Yeah, good Valentine's card. Not oh, Thursday Thirteen was your idea, Mister Mister Rimastino. <laughs> I'm not my, taking my credit idea, from you. <laughs> my idea was the Pena Rush podcast. Pena Rush is it is a good I, that name. was like great. I'm huge on that one. But uh, yeah, so the the show is is designed to be a little bit of an open format. We're gonna try to recap uh, the week. We're gonna have a special guest on this week. It's Juan. Yep. It's uh, and they're gonna have a special topic prepared, um, and then we're gonna have like one one other topic that sort of rounded out, be a little more general to uh, uh, general to bingo. Um, but yeah, with the with the show format underway, are we ready to sort of dive right in? Let's get it. Yeah. Let's All do right. It. Glad, glad we've laid down our baseline. And uh, production here, little hench right now. Um, so uh, let's go. Whoop. Over to uh, over to the current topic, the first topic of the first episode of the Untitled Bingo Show. Um, let's talk about this past week because we're uh, you know we're five weeks into the season, um, and we're you know uh, obviously a lot of matches have been played, a lot of matches still to be played. Um, but let's uh, sort of look back. If you missed some matches, um, you probably uh, you know going to get spoiled here a little bit. But uh, yep. good way to, to get caught up on stream. yeah. <laughs> 
This is where you mute your stream, come back when the topic changes. Uh, no, please stay. Um, <laughs> earn your earn your sunshine community points. Um, but yeah, let's should. let's let's dive in. Uh, let's talk about this past week, right? And I think one of the the big themes. We'll start with Division One. Is um, nobody's undefeated anymore, right? Uh, there was a yeah. uh, Larvae versus Shadow Mario twenty seven um, ended uh, Shadow Mario's sort of win streak. Um, and now is sitting at, I believe, six and one. So, pretty big win for him. Yeah, I, it's pretty interesting. Starting right at the top, I see. But uh, yeah, like no one's undefeated anymore. And it's not like there's been like two top contenders and they've like both been super upset because I feel like at Div One is like it's very balanced in a lot of ways. Where if like if like Ramado can lose to Trey, like SM like has a, had a bunch of close matches. No one's really like at the bottom per se anymore. Like everyone has at least two wins now, which is crazy. Yeah, that's like, crazy. Yeah. So Div One really shaping up to be super interesting. Yeah, and it was it was especially interesting Larvi being able to take that win over Shadow Mario in row control. Um yeah, when Shadow Mario off to a pretty dominant start at the beginning, securing a row fairly early, sort of well set up, but Larvae sort of committed to, to Rico, managed to get uh, Shines and Secrets, uh, played for Secrets and Hiddens, and, and ultimately was able to sort of secure the uh, secure the win with a pretty solid nine-goal route, um, uh, as it turns out. Yeah, finishing out with yeah. one from each, so it was... Uh, it was sort of a big win and definitely showed that Shadow Mario was sort of vulnerable because there was, you know, a lot of talk like, oh, SM's sort of been a, been such a dominant force. Um, so getting a loss, I think, is uh, probably comforting in a way, you know? It's it's uh, it's nice to yeah, not have the pressure, pressure of being yeah. undefeated. Yeah, I've heard, like, super mixed things about SM where, like, on one hand, apparently he has all these crazy tricks. Like, I heard he did some like lily pad with the box game text stored mm -hmm. clip and he did some early lighthouse shenanigans mm -hmm. bunch of other things yeah he knows but, how uh, to take the value out of pinna yeah that for sure <laughs> <laughs> but uh i've also yeah. heard that his routing is like it's solid but it isn't anything like crazy if is what i've heard or for div one level but if you've heard differently please feel free now that sort of that sort of jives with my understanding, right? Like I, I think, I think not. Shadow Mario was expected to do well and has. I don't think people expected him to do as well as he did. Um, but looking mm -hmm. sort of at the remaining matches for this uh, for this season, he's playing Mike next week, um, and then Ramado, Jeff, and Pogo to round out the rest of the season, right? So you can you've had some tough opponents, but this is like arguably one of the toughest stretches of matches. Um, you're going to have, especially against Ramado, um, also sitting at 6-1 and one, uh, with the loss yep. to Trey. Um, definitely going to be sort of a big match for Shadow Mario if, if he can show up, or will Ramado continue to to be sort of the, the dominant force in Division I um, and sort of the boogeyman that all uh, competitors strive and, and fear? <laughs> Pretty much. That will also decide um, who wins Div 1, assuming they go on to win both the next matches. It's definitely yeah. super important for, like, the first round bye. Because if you lose that match, then, like, second place definitely not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, if you do win, then you're in a really good spot to at least get top two and get a bye. 
yeah, as we look towards playoffs, top eight, I think, are going on to uh, to playoffs in every division. Um, or is that just Division Three? What was that? No, it's, Sorry, it's all divisions. Top eight. Oh, yeah, top eight in all divisions. Yeah. So, yeah. and and like you mentioned, the playoff format for Divisions One and Division Two um, really incentivizes placement um, above yeah. all else. Um, you just play less matches, and that can be, uh, you know, as as has been demonstrated, best of threes are are grueling. Um, they yeah. are they are very <laughs> intense, and and to be able to skip out on doing one or two of those is so so big. Um, and I think will will benefit the person who, who wins that that match, who's then well poised to uh, uh, to make it to the uh, to the top of Division One. And, and uh, speaking, I've never, oh, sorry, I would say I've never played a, a best of three match. <laughs> well, oh wow! Sorry. We'll get to we'll get to your placement once we get to Division Three. But uh, um, <laughs> I also I wanted to transition away from speaking of who's on a tear, Danny is on a tear in division one had a th- is on a three win streak had beat jeff this week as well um sort as of well with as well as trey as well as trey um let's go danny uh, uh sort of danny was off to a bit of a slow start sort of clumped in the, the bottom of the division but has really really shown up in these past uh past few weeks and uh you know made a big play is now sort of gunning it up there at the at the top of division one with with larvey who's you know, obviously had a bit of a stronger middle half of the season with Samu, right, within spinning distance. Um, you know, sort of top half of Division One's a great place to be right now, entering the, the back half of the season. Dude, Danny, like, I saw his match against Trey, and he was actually going off so hard. Like, he just committed super hard to his route, which was Blues into Pinna, and then get the butterfly for the last goal in row control in Pianta. And he just, like, he didn't even get any shines other than Delfino's like he exited area out of Bianco and Rico actually maybe he got the like gelato hidden for shine prog but like he just committed so hard and it just paid off like crazy so like I I just I want to see where like Danny can take his game I think his routing ideas are really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see who who carried who in the 2v2 match uh 2v2 tourney with Danny and Romato <laughs> Well, speaking of that, that match is coming up at the end of the season. By, by as fate would have it, Romato versus Danny is a week eight, uh, week eight matchup. So, um, and and it's an interesting parallel because Danny, like Shadow Mario, has to play Pogo, Romato, and Mike in the next in the next three weeks. Um, Danny still also hasn't played Samu, so they're swapping out the Jeff match for the Samu match, but they both have sort of similarly difficult schedules ahead of them. Um, Danny obviously going up against Samu, who has, again, proved himself time and time again to be a a, a force to be reckoned with in Division I. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so definitely a, a difficult crop of matches coming up. You You could put forth, like, the thesis that Danny's past three matches and the past three wins have been against arguably the easier opponents in Sid and Trey um, and and maybe even Jeff um, I, though I wouldn't call Jeff easy by any stretch I you know obviously I think no match looking at placement <laughs> yeah yeah especially in division yeah. one as has been shown you can yep. lose to you know on a on a good day or on a bad day you can win or lose against anybody um, which is definitely true even for division one is it just me or like all the matches of destiny happening on week eight 
Like, you have Ramado and Danny, right? Uh, I swear there was someone in Div 2, but I've already forgotten. Like, I'm playing Urbani. I know, I think May and Spanish Meerkat are playing for who's not going to be undefeated. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of great matches that I'm really excited for uh, yeah, on the last of, week. Yeah, lots of good... Lots of good bingo coming up, uh, coming up in the in the remaining weeks of the season. So don't miss a match. Um, let's uh, let's move ahead to, to Division Two, um, which uh, could be renamed the Peaches Division. Um, Peaches is seven and zero, completely cracked, out of his mind. Um, won against Papa this week. Um, closest match on paper was against. Uh, was against uh, PK, I, I think it was against PK on paper, right? Which was thirteen twelve. Uh, which was, and was I remember thirteen twelve. Yeah, but like has looked incredibly strong. You know, Linky, Haywire, Papa. You know, beat Game, beat Tober, right? Who's also sort of yep. gunning for the top position in Division Two. Um, is there anybody that can stop this guy in the ne- in the last three weeks? All he's got left are. Elias, Mason, and Peaches, and like Mason's probably the 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 only Peach Slayer left, uh, <laughs> absent Elias or Rasmus like popping off. Like I, it 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 would come down to Mason to sort of slay the giant Peach. I will say Rasmus, like I saw his match against Tober, and like if he can pull something like that out against Peaches, I think it might be pretty tough for Peaches because that was I don't know if you saw that match, but. I thought Rasmus had a lot of like super creative ideas. Pulled like a pin of two hundred out of nothing to finish seven in secrets, get like a hundreds lead, and that was like it turned out to be super crucial and helpful. So, Juan, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Like can that. can somebody can somebody beat Peaches in Division Two? I think our best bet is gonna be Rasmus or Mason. Rasmus, on a good day, I think can, but I think sometimes he's just not as consistent. Hmm. But Mason, I think, a lot more consistent. Mason's yeah. very scary as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and Mason's been been gunning at the top of the division as well. I think only loss was against uh, PK in row control, um, which, despite the three zero score, I think was 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 a very close match. Um, you know, is playing Tober this week along with GB, and I want to touch on those two specifically in Division Two because I feel like. They've been outperforming expectations. Expectations. Um, yep. Going into to season two, um, uh, Tober obviously sort of fell off at the end of season one. Was sort of pensive about coming back into the league. Now comes back and is uh, is really dominating. Um, you know, five and two right now. And GB as well, a little hard on himself. Rejoins the league, also five and two with some pretty big wins. They're both sort of entering the tail end of the season, though, with, again, some tough matches. GB still got Mason to play. GB and Tober face off as the Week 6-8 to eight extra match. Tober mm-hmm. is uh, has his match against uh, GB as well as PK, right? Um, uh, and PK is also somebody that... Uh, that uh, Really scary. Really yeah. scary. <laughs> Tober, am I misremembering your, your Season 1? record i will say that between seasons tober has been on the beach money grind and we've talked a lot about the philosophy of willpower and how he's been working on getting his willpower up so like maybe this is like an an anime protagonist moment where tober (laughs) is grinding the willpower and now he's just gonna win everything 
So Tober has definitely been practicing know. more, I I would say personally, than um he did for League One. A lot yeah. more IL this this time around. Yeah, yeah a lot sure. of beach money, a lot of Serena eighteen. Yeah. You know, don't even uh, think about racing him to Wiggler. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but, know Tober hides his progress? Like, he has a notepad instead of the IL sheet. <laughs> like, he puts some on the IL sheet, but he hides it. He's, like, he's definitely in the, like, in the lab, in the mountains training, dude. I swear. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, no, it'll be interesting to see. And, I, yeah, and I do want to touch on PK a bit. I brought him up uh, playing Tober um, uh, sort of later on in the season here. PK at 2-4, and four, bit, of a, bit of a rough start. Has had some really great wins, like like we mentioned, like the win against uh, the win against Mason was was pretty big. Um, also, win against Wink Linky, so sort of on a two and zero win streak going into this Elias match. Um, what do you think about PK in the tail end of this season? Juan, do you want to take that or yeah, go? For so it. what? His next match is against Elias. Um, yeah, it's with Invasion. I don't know who's favored. I don't know if PK's pretty good at Invasion. I think that was the format where he ended up getting 12 to 13 against Peaches. Yes, that was correct. So if he's good, could maybe win that. He's got game. I think game has been... I don't know, I don't know if I would say underperforming. Definitely not doing as hot as I would wish. Um, he's got Haywire. Haywire 0 and 7. Looking for the win, so... And then he's got Tober at the end, which is a big contender for first place, I would say, in Div 2. That's a good match. I'm Speaking of good matches, I'm upset matches. we didn't see PK versus Rick this week. Because yeah, no, Rick that was is in, some beef yeah. I wanted to see resolved. Yeah, Rick Rick was in the hyperbolic time chamber, wanted to, to bop, uh, bop poor PK, but uh, Rick decided to drop out of the remaining matches of the league. Um, so a little unfortunate we didn't get that sort of, uh, grudge match. Yeah. Just yeah, sad. I'm sad. All right. And we'll round it out then with Division 3. Um, and if Division 2 is, is Division Peaches, Division 3B is Property of Urbani. 7-0. A yep. lot of mm -hmm. big matches. Um, do you think anybody left for Urbani can beat Urbani? <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn, no faith. Wow. Oh, wait, no wait. faith? Wait, wait. I didn't scroll. Damn. I got, I got <laughs> wow. Oh, no, wow. dude. Oh, no. Classic. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm people leaving. Nah, oh, God. Nah. Honestly, I don't know. I don't think I have a good shot against Urbani, but. Yeah, I don't, you know, see. I need to rewatch my match against Urbani. People were saying that, like, I had a decent shot at it, um, which. I you know I I think it's tough for anybody to beat Urbani right now. This speed is unmatched, and absent sort of routing mistakes, um, Urbani has shown himself to be pretty consistent, able to take scrims against Division Two and even some Division One players. It's I think the the goal would then to be if you want to try to beat Urbani is you have to force uh, you have to force him onto the back foot when it comes to routing. Right, you got to force him into a into a situation where he's gonna make mistakes and uh, mm -hmm. hope that he does so. Right, because you're not gonna win in pure speed, and you're not gonna necessarily get a free win by picking a format like uh, uh, like draft or 
uh, like an invasion. But Mojungo versus Urbani is in draft. I think that's probably one of the formats that you could potentially take advantage of Urbani in, um, uh, just because you will protect some goals during the initial draft, and you if you get a good draft, you can set yourself up for success. So. Mm-hmm. I realized that's Urbani's last draft, which was going to be my pick against him. But oh, yeah. actually, I, he, I think he has pick. So that yes, he does have but... pick against you, Tomato. Mm-hmm. That is unfortunate. <laughs> I think <laughs> to be Urbani, it's not just draft. I think if you can pick like regular lockout, so you want something open to where you can out route Urbani because you can't beat Urbani on speed. So all you have left is routing. Yep, that's fair. I mean, you're not wrong. I just like the idea of draft where it's like, I get to secure things that mm-hmm. I can't get speed bullied to, no matter what Urbani mm-hmm. does. Uh, yeah. But you're an invasion fan. Invasion kind of helps. It can. Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big invasion. advocate. I'm a big advocate for invasion, even against faster players, because I think it, it, you know, it gives you more flexibility once you get settled into rows, right? It's very card dependent. I think some cards can blow you out. Um, but, yep. you know, that's a gamble you have to take when you're playing a, a randomized format like Bingo. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, talking more now about 3A, um, the top of Division 3A suffered some, some a bit of a mix-up this week, right? Um, yep. Lib- Libre and Wild Jeff both taking losses um, in the same mm-hmm. week. They, uh, Dax crazy. beating Wild Jeff, um, Libre... Um, Losing the Mr. Yato, which is another sort of standout Division 3A, right? But that means yep. that there are four people at the top of Division 3A with one loss apiece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Juka, Libre, Jeff, and Tom Dollars. And specifically, Tom Dollars, I think, is incredibly scary because he's won every single match he's played after the first week. That's definitely scary. Um, but I... I have mean, this heard from Jeff, Wild Jeff, that Tom Dollar still has a lot of his really hard matches left. Yes, that's uh, that's true. And I wanted to touch on that, right? He's playing Jeff this week, right? That has mm-hmm. Spanish Meerkat, Juca, Plankton, and Dex, right? And Dex has proved himself to be a very scary opponent, um, mm-hmm. s- sitting at 5-2, and two, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Plankton could literally pop off at any moment in Division 3A, like... <laughs> I've yeah. heard about that. That is so scary. You yeah. know? Plankton, Plankton Plankton's got the mind of a questions. mind of a grinder and uh um could could clutch out like some big wins in the tail end of his season. Um mm-hmm. you know, uh Dex, you know, as we mentioned, and Juka, very scary opponent, right? Like the only arguably quote unquote easy match is against Spanish Meerkat, but even then, you have no guarantees. Division Division three is probably the best example of Anybody can win at any time. Yeah. Anybody can just forget yep. rocket storage at any time. <laughs> Damn. It's okay, Juan. I'm sorry I stole that from you. Oh, I, wa- I wanted to bring in some uh, some insider news or insider information against the Libre versus Yato match. Mm. Um, I, I brought this up against some other people, but uh, actually, Yato versus Libre was a rematch from like way back in the day. I think it was mm. was it the row oh. control tourney? I always forget which one. But oh. Libre got or Yato got destroyed back then. So a couple years later, Libre losing to Yato. 
Yeah, I'm really proud of Yato. Like he's, like he, I've he, we came into the season and I, with his like less than stellar, I'd say last season didn't I guess mm -hmm. have the highest expectations, but he's really proved himself now beating an undefeated man, and he's had really like close matches than the ones he's lost, and he's routed yeah. very well. Like I think Yato has a lot to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, like definitely a big success story moving in from Division Three or moving in from Division Three last year to Division Three again this year. Um, you know, winless, winless last season, and is now um, sitting middle of the pack, four and three, right with a winning record is is massive. I have a theory you know? about Yato. Um, so he said his girlfriend was watching the Yato versus Libre, and his girlfriend bet like two thousand channel points on Yato. <laughs> so I think I think that pushed Yato Dang. to act to win. Wow, can't can't that's disappoint. Beautiful. Can't that's be that's that's true love. I um, think that's the secret. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, also, you're... Juan, you have the insider info. Like you're always on a voice call with him during your matches. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, no comment. <laughs> all right. Well, that that sort of covers all three divisions here this last week. Um, if you have any, um, I will probably open up this channel post the show. Um, if you have anything you want us to discuss about the league postseason um, or after each week, feel free to drop us a line. We'll work it into the podcast. All right, we're moving topics. That's the segue. Very good segue. Yep. Um, good work. Juan, good work. We, we have you on here, not because you're the only soul willing to join on the Untitled Bingo Show, um, but you you came up with a, with, a, with a something that I thought was kind of, was like a really interesting and pertinent topic because it applies directly to you. Um, uh, why don't you talk us in on that? Uh, so what I want to talk about was what separates a Div 3 player from a Div 2 player? and what separates a Div 2 player from a Div 1 player. Um, I was last season Div 2. I had, I had some yeah. rough matches, and uh, now I'm Div 3. <laughs> that is how it goes. It, it do be like that sometimes. Um, but let's start off with, um, like, last season, it was the first time we ever did the league, right? And mm -hmm. I think yeah. it, was, it was up to the bingo mods on who was in which division. Um, so I think we should start by talking about what decisions they made to decide who goes to what league. Yeah, that would be a good place. Mm -hmm. So for Div 1, a lot of it was past performance. Like, I mean, you you have Romato and Paper. Mm -hmm. Of course they have to be Div 1. Um, right. So yeah, di past performance was the biggest one. Um, in terms of like who was added last minute? I think it was Linky. Linky was decided last minute for Div One. He was originally yeah. decided Div Two, um, but Reed had to drop because of his disc. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reed. So... Yeah, Reed had to drop due to his disc, and then they, they. It was. I remember the decision was between uh, uh, Linky and Jeff, if I remember right. And Linky. I feel was like there were others even. There were others, I think, too. Mm -hmm. But I think it came down to like those two. I think Linky's had the best past performance. Hmm. Which is what decided it. So, I mean, more so for Div 2. Um, they decided that based on, like, the number of scrims done, like, prior to the league. Mm. Um, like, a lot of a lot of us in the GB Discord at the time would just always scrim. So we would all be similar close in level. So that's kind of how they decided that. Um, in terms of Div 3, though, they, that's where they just threw everybody who they uh, had no knowledge of, um, like, had no prior experience, or maybe they didn't have such good results. Let's go. 
<laughs> That's me. <laughs> I think. Did you have any prior uh, like results in any tourneys prior to that? No. Did you I even like, play Tomato? Did you even play the game prior to Bingo? Uh, I had like a one fifty six any percent, and that was it. So Race me I had... any percent, dude. Let's let's dude, get Dude, let's cracked. go. I'm actually so down. I will lose like four minutes to GBS, but like it's fine. <laughs> It'll be great. I'm dude, actually you... hella down. What if you leave the one fifty game? No, that that can't leave you one. That, that would be one, any percent race. Let's go. Oh god, dude, I'm gonna just game over Inoki six and Corona. That's fine. We'll all do that no. over and over yes, until we get we fat peeps. <laughs> no, but but um, yeah, and you and you sort of touch on that, right? Like season one was obviously best best people known at the time in Division one, right? Plus Linky because of the last minute dropout. Division three was we have no idea any of these people so we'll put them into division three and then so you had the sort of awkward you know the awkward quote-unquote redheaded stepchild of division two which was not only the biggest division with 12 but also i think had one of the largest gradients of skill level um that existed inside of uh, inside of a singular division right i would i would agree yeah. Yeah. um okay so to this league though we have obviously a lot of new people um, that weren't in the last league. Um, yep. I think Mojungo was the one who had the most performance prior to this. I, I, I mean, outside of, I mean, there's obviously okay, Trey yeah, and Sid. yeah. So you've got but, yeah, you've got Trey and Sid, right? As sort of one group of newcomers uh, that sort of joined. You have Shadow Mario, Danny, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pogo, all joining Division One yep. because obviously past performance. Um, Pogo and known quantity in the bingo scene, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, Division 2 was basically everybody that was previously in Division 2, absent the people who moved up, which was Jeff, um, or person who moved up, which was Jeff. Um, and then yep. plus people from Division 3 that were sort of standout, the names Haywire, Elias, um, uh, Haywire, Elias, Peaches, mm -hmm. right? Which is a very interesting gradient. as well. Right. Yep. And yeah, and Linky moving down because now that there's space in Division 2 works great. And so Division 3A and 3B were everybody who played in the league in Division 3 last year plus all of the new folks, right? And like of those, I think the majority had not played Bingo before with the exception of Plankton and the Bingo Bango Bongo tournament which <laughs> resulted in so beautiful. many new people joining the league, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. well, yeah, that's great. So we can talk about this. Like, um, we had one dropout with, was it miles? Um, so we had to yeah. fill up that one slot. So they were de deciding between, let's say Mojungo, Elias and Libre, like, all, uh, Mojungo won the plankton tourney spoilers. Um, but Libre had a lot of bingo experience prior participating in mm -hmm. the 2v2 tourney. I think was it Oak Flaker? Was his partner? I could be wrong. I think so. It's someone really good. <laughs> was not in the decision making, apparently, I'm getting told. From your sources? Ooh. Yeah. All right. I heard wrong, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So they ended up deciding Elias because they would, they thought he would do the best um, in Division 2. Which I think I was, was never choice. in the convo. Feels bad. Damn, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no love for third place. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, it's fair. I I haven't really proved myself. I think so. Yeah, but then that that sort so of is the an one who's yeah. five and one. Yeah. So so then division it makes division two sort of this interesting microism, right? Because you have peaches, 
you have you have Linky, you have Elias, and you have Haywire, right? As sort of the four characters in this story of what makes a player Division One versus Division Two, what makes a player Division Two versus Division Three, right? You have three people from Division Three. You have one person who was in Division One, right? And you have like a full gradient of results. Peaches is undefeated, right? Haywire yeah. is zero and seven, and you have Elias and Linky sort of grappling in the middle of the pack. Um, so what do you think is what 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 se- what ends up then separating what like is Peach's Division One level right I think is the is the question right is Haywire still Division Three level right what what do you look for to to make that determination Okay so I, I what I would say is the most important for Div One is or at least what I was I've been told um, is good routing and you need to have speed and consistency those are the three things. Yeah, that's like, a great criteria set, actually. <laughs> mm, like, you, you can play somebody against Div 1, and you can be just as good as routing as them, but if you don't have the speed, you just, You'll you just, just lose. Won't, yep. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's less say, like, exploitable Peaches, mistakes. What is Peaches missing from Div, from being Div 1? Um, some people say it's the, like, routing experience. Mm-hmm. Like, his routing could improve, and maybe consistency. But he has been pretty consistently winning. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I mean, he's also a sub-120 gamer now. So, like, speed isn't something he's really lacking in. I think Peaches is like, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because we're the Fruit Bowl. And because I'm a big Peaches fan. Okay. But I think Peaches does have what it takes current in current moment to be Div 1. I do want to see, like, he, is, he just practices so much bingo stuff. He watches all the matches. He knows how to route. Like, he's like everything I strive to be for as a player. And I don't know. I think he he has the potential to do well in Div One. So then that begs the question. All right. So Peaches is now in Division One. Who's he getting wins against? Well, he, in scrims he's question. gotten wins against uh, Trey. Yeah, and if twice. you can beat Trey, that means you can beat Ramado. The transitive yep. property. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. You can fully play that. But like. But like. Okay. So Peaches wins Division Two. Let's say. Right. And. Yep. He goes up against his choice of, and I'm going to say, you know, at this point, anybody who's right now, like even two and four, even yeah, three and like four, huge, right? There's a huge potential for like anybody Peaches could face. Could Peaches win a best of three against Pogo? Could Peaches win be a hard. best of? Yeah. Could Peaches win a yeah. best of three against Jeff? Against Bry, against Mike, even mm-hmm. against JJ, right? Like, like that's the Trace, potential like competition, that. right? Like, it's not enough, I think, to be raffle stomping Division Two. You have to win in in a theoretical promotion scenario. You have to win a best of three against a Division One player, right? And like, who can feasibly Peaches get this this best of three win against? I think mm-hmm. that's a tough question. I think it's hard because I haven't seen like how Peaches does against Div One players outside of like the occasional scrim. Like I think he goes pretty close with Jeff. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it all depends on like because I think Peaches does well in a lot of formats, and he's like it's not like he's a one trick. He he's not like I I pick connect five and i'll always win and then i'm weak and everything else because he's consistent and he's like proven that 
-hmm. I think the question is like, is that consistency enough? And I think that's it's it like remains to be seen. Like I don't think we can have the answers. Mm -hmm. I think it all depends on like Peaches. It's 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 on the onus is on Peaches to prove himself. Right. But I think he right. could do it. I'm a Peaches fan. Let's go Peaches. Woo. Let's go. Corollary question to that. Could Mason win a best of three against somebody in Division One? I? I think so. Who um, think so? Mason's best format is row control, and the best of three only lets you pick one format. Um, I don't know which are his other strong formats. I want to say Invasion. Hmm. I definitely have gotten owned by him in row control. But I've never played him in any other format. Yeah, Mason's definitely a row control beast, and and you know, it, but it's sort of like it's sort of like the the same problem like PK. Like you could force your way out of a row control match against him, and, and like in a best of three, you need to get two wins, right? Winning once is not enough, so you need to win it in a second format. A second format, which by the way, your opponent is going to be picking in both of these cases, right? Because you're playing mm -hmm. up against Division One. Division One gets the home advantage of first pick in one and three. Um, so, like, Peaches, can, can can Mason clutch out a win in Invasion? Maybe, right? Like, but but will will that actually happen, though? I think it's, I think it's a, a tough ask to win a best of three, especially when you, uh, when you only get one format to pick from and your opponent can sort of needle in on your weaknesses by picking two formats that, that work. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's like mostly uh, it could it could depend on the day. It could depend on like, like if, if maybe someone does have a bad match and that's already huge because then they threw away their own format pick, like, like anything can happen. Even best of three, like there it's a lot more consistent. But like it, I think again, it's like the onus is on Mason and Peaches if those are the two who make top two. I think it might right. be even a little presumptuous for us to say that, given that we still have like five more matches. Never yeah, know. Four, yeah, four more matches uh, for everybody at the end of the season. Yep. Oh wow, we're almost we're almost through it. Let's go. Yeah. No, it, it, it's the it, we're coming into the tail end, which makes these playoff conversations uh, important. Because you know, it, it 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 best of threes are a different beast. I think is the appreciable thing to say. Mm -hmm. That's where the consistency comes in. Exactly. You can't just have one good match. You gotta have at least two. Yeah. Yep. So then, uh, sorry, go ahead, Juan. I say let's talk about what separates um, three from two. So I think that's that's that's, that's a lot also bigger. very big. Yeah, because there's there's twice as many people in Division Three, right? And only so many slots yep. in Division Two. Yep, I agree. Um, yep. From personal personal experience, I would say is. Knowing how to react to opponents' clicks is probably like what separates Div Two from Div Three. I I personally don't do well with that, and so like I mean I don't delay as well, so I give information away like nothing. Um, but like, like Larvi in the last match, he saw the three reds click from SM and mm -hmm. immediately gave up Pinna because he saw that as I ain't winning to Pinna, he's doing a Delfino rush. Which was a really good play. Yeah, I think yep. I think that there's like two you know, and, and we we've mentioned this a couple times sort of in private to each other, right? Like Division Three has this sort of strata between the people who are fast 
and the people who mm-hmm. understand sort of bingo fundamentals and the mm-hmm. conflict between those two is what's what's creating this sort of interesting dynamic in division three where you have a lot of art you know and it's sort of hard to say which side is really winning because you look at the you look at the standings and on on one side you see you know urbani right using his speed to his advantage right but then you know tide is jay buzzy b tomato right juan and me are are close behind right like we're not the fastest players but we're gunning for the the top of the division meanwhile in division 3a you've got people like juca and tom dollars who are fast fast boys and then you have libre wild jeff who have the routing chops right also at the top right um routing versus speed is like really fast Libre is also really fast, but I was Libre's I needed I needed dark. I needed sym- symmetry, right? I needed. That's the fair. I, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I needed symmetry, right? So like, you know, if you're looking at sort of the top crop of Division Three A, what do they need to do in order to break into Division Two? Right? Is it really just the fundamentals of delay clicking? I, I mean, think that... there's a lot to it. Like, uh, I feel like we're almost. I, I don't want to say oversimplifying. But I think, like, why is it that Urbani can use his speed and defeat various Div 2 players in scrims? And why is it that, like, we haven't seen the same from, like, Juka talks? Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Speed, so, I wouldn't say, is is everything in Div 3. It's definitely not. I'd agree. <laughs> yeah, so then, think... what, what, then what separates the ability for Urbani to get wins and scrims against Division 2 versus the same for Jukatons. Well, Urbani's got speed. I, I think any percent speed, like, speed alone just ca- can carry so far. Yeah, um, I, it's it's big. He also has sub-320 in 120 shines now, because he's kind of a legend. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you, if you know all your routes and you have speed backing you up, it's pretty good. But mm-hmm. I think routing is also really important, because you can get to div two and be slow like there's Elias mm-hmm. and game both have like a 140 um yep urbani with a 116 so yeah. urbani with <laughs> more routing practice is going to be insane in div two i think yeah i think if i had the, if i had to identify a skill that i think separates division three from division two it is mid-game decision making because yep. and that's like the hardest part. Yeah, that is that is the hardest part, and I think it's what separates Division Three from Division Two right now. Is because a lot of people have developed the skill to be able to look at a card and pick out an initial route, but yep. to transition that route based on what your opponent clicks is what separates Division Two from Division Three, right? Yeah, I think that a lot of times, yeah. Sorry, go. I'm saying making use of that info that you have. Like, what info have they given you with the clicks mid game? Like, what can you like for sure say about the routes? What can't you say about the routes? Mm-hmm. And using that to pick what you're doing next, I think is right. is what yeah. many people lack. Yeah, which is why like there's the there's the thesis right now that I've seen floating around, which is don't delay anything in Division Three, because your opponent's never going to be able to take advantage of it anyway if you delay. Because the the decision making is out there now. I don't know if I completely believe that. I don't that. genuinely agree with that a hundred percent. But like, yeah. I think, I, I I think it's also very matchup dependent. Like, if I play Juan, I think he's gonna see my click and he's gonna like take information from that. I don't know if he'll use it in his play, <laughs> but like, if he sees both bell shines, like he knows where I've been. Right. 
he knows I don't know right. lighthouse wall kicks. Like, and <laughs> he's going to take advantage of that. I also know you don't like hidden red hoverless. That's true. I, I hate that. <laughs> Romano, please come through, brother. Yeah, and I think I think that I think you can play to opponents' sort of strengths and weaknesses a lot more in Division Three, but less in Division Two as well. Like you can't sort of get a free win in Division Two on on sort of like I know that my opponent won't do X. Right? We were we were actually yes. talking about this very recently about beach money, right? And I said something a little silly in my post match against Mojungo where I said, "Ugh, nobody in." Uh, nobody in Division Three knows beach money, um, and since then we've seen so what? much beach money. Yo, what up? I have uh, a we've beach seen money s- man. I know, but we, you know, I, I was, I was talking a little off yeah. the cuff, but you know, Serena One Hundreds has genuine is like one of those things that's like such a niche component of yeah, bingo. It's so niche, but it. So many people it, know it's it, though, coming now. up. You know, now people know it, and they. They are learning when to most effectively deploy it. And, you know, obviously knowing, having those skills in your back pocket, right? You know, maybe in the earlier weeks, you could exploit the fact that your opponent won't know beach money to go do, you know, could to sort of know that you can sort of go into Serena at any point and, uh, and click off that hundreds in a boss shine or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, now you can't. Right, and I think that that's especially true in Division Two. You can't bank on your opponent lacking a particular piece of knowledge about the game, um, because mm-hmm. everybody in Division Two is has the bingo chops and the skill set to be able to uh, to be able to succeed at basically anything. You can't sort of exploit direct weaknesses in routing like you might be able to in Division Three. I think Div 3 is really improving at that, though. I feel like that's when you come into the league, there's a lot of that. But, like, there's a lot of people who I think are genuinely improving a lot, like, during the league and Mm -hmm. uh, picking up that information. Uh, But maybe that's just me. Like, I feel like I couldn't play against an opponent except, like, a very limited amount of people. And say, like, I know they won't do this. Because, like, everyone knows how to surrender whenever now. Or almost everyone. Like, and, like, a lot of people... And I'm not, like, beach money, I guess, is kind of an exception. Because that is, like, the most niche thing. Aside from, like, SM knowledge. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I feel like a lot of people know how to get a lot of goals. <laughs> like, it's not like someone will see a goal on the card and say, I don't know how to get that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still kind of see this. Um, I think Full Air still has not learned both bells. <laughs> I, I don't know if Azak knows oh, both bells either. Yeah, but those yeah. those those sort of cases are, are few and far in between. Like, and, But that's right. like a baseline, you know, in order to succeed in Division 2, you need to not be, not be saying, I don't want to do this or I don't want to attempt this um, to any goal on the card because you, you probably want to be able to... Uh, you want to be able to basically do anything that a card presents you to uh, presents to you. Mm-hmm. Except two um, hidden reds hoverless. That goal's stupid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so someone, it is someone in chat though. is bringing up uh, a particular Yoshi goal, but I, I think we're not allowed to talk about that goal if we want to stay on air. <laughs> no, and like, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I think that this this goes down obviously as the season progresses. But like, Division Three should 
you know, I think you got to have that baseline knowledge of, like, what goals mean and, and like, sort of the basic knowledge of, like, locations of things and, and, and sort of what goals translate to. I know that Mike's been working on sort of the sort of a document that, that maybe goes into that in more detail, but I, I think that it's a valuable resource to be able to understand, okay, um, and I know that uh, Larvi, Larvi put out a, a, a survey that was sort of similar to this, and one of the questions on it was like, do you need guidance on like what a particular goal represents? Like, what does two rockets represent? What does three mm-hmm. rockets represent? What does seven birds represent? All right, like, and like, it comes intuitively to those of us who've watched and played a lot of bingo, Oh, three rockets usually means getting to Noki first, right? Or oh, yep. um, seven bluebirds means you either need deep Pianta or deep Bianco. Or deep Bianco. Yeah. Yep. And and but that sort of knowledge is not necessarily accessible immediately to somebody who's just coming in to watch or just coming in to play. Um, and sort of like the reasoning why goals are the way they are, um, I think is is. Something that a Division Two player probably has a better understanding of than Division uh, than necessarily Division Three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I think just to wrap up my topic is, I would say, what what do you think is um, the difference between a top Div Three player and a bottom Div Three player? Hmm. Hmm. I think for a lot of the top Div Three players, they have like let's let's separate let's oversimplify things and separate okay. things into speed and routing right yeah i think at the top of div 3 people have at least one of those or like relatively down pat like you're not going to be nindide and you're not going to be ramado at routing right but like you can be solid at it and i mm-hmm. think people at the top of div 3 they have at least one of those elements mastered whereas people towards the bottom I think there's like a variety of reasons as to why people are towards the bottom. I think it can partially be to a lack of knowledge. I think it can partially be to like having trouble dealing with tournament pressure as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think takes, that's big. Like Sega Star is like actually a genius. Like yeah, Sega's really Sega's cracked. Um, Dude, yeah. I should have lost to Sega. Like I'm just throwing that out there. Okay? Yeah. yeah, I think Sega... I think Sega's the exception to. Like he's at the bottom, but I don't think he should be. Yeah, I think his his results don't reflect his skill. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would think the the one thing that separates them, the the top from the bottom of Div three, is just scrims. I feel like I never see a lot of these people with like zero to two wins scrim. That's fair. Yep. So I think just the lack of uh, like practice and yeah, the intuition I, that I, comes I, with practice mm-hmm. is missing. Right. Like, I was going to say, like, scrimming isn't everything, but scrimming's, like, the best way to practice sort of mid-game decision-making, right? And, like, I think you can boil down, I think, to, to, to Tomato's point that, like, the tops of Division Three right now have, like, one, either speed or routing at a high enough level, right? But they also uh-huh. have the backup of their other aspect isn't the worst, right? Isn't very mm-hmm. bad. And they just throw less in I the mid-game. I don't know, Lego, your speed. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm right, not like, flaming, dude. I'm not fast. Yeah, dude. I think I think mentality is such a under-talked about but, um, but very important aspect to bingo. And being able to play a match to completion and sort of reacting to when things don't go your way 
is such a is such a powerful skill that it can win you matches on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think back to my match against Mojungo where I got off to a very explosive start, but Mojungo had opportunities to make it back into that game, and by prolonging the game, made it more likely for me to slip up, right? I think in in Division Three. If you're able to keep yourself mentally playing and mentally in the game, you can get wins against anybody, especially if they start messing up, right? Because closing out yep. a match, the mid to late game decision making is so critical to success that you can lose matches if you make the wrong decisions. Um, and I think that that's especially true in Division Three, where uh, where those mistakes are more common. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost like even boils down to game theory where like people in div three can look at something and say like this is good therefore i will do this Mm -hmm. and that's like the level one right and then like the what separates that like that's what div three does and then like above that is saying like this is good therefore my opponent will probably go for it and to best react to this and counter this play i should do this Mm. you know and I feel like yeah. that's like a key component that separates yeah. Divs 2 so and 3. That, that's sort of a good way to distill it down, right? Like Division 3, you know, the, what, sep- what makes Division 2 Division 2 is Division 2 is playing lockout bingo, right? Like is playing to, you know, against their opponent, right? As opposed to playing for goals on the card, you're playing against yep. your opponent in Division 2, right? And that there's a lot that, that you can fold into there, but if you're like a, like a nice pithy description it is playing against your opponent let's go yeah. lego agrees with me <laughs> i feel validated <laughs> if you need me to agree with you to be validated i i think you 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 shouldn't be looking to me for validation <laughs> dang does that mean you don't agree with me often? no i agree it with you bad. i'm just saying i'm just saying like validation needs to come from within Look, what do you think my Serena 18 grind is? All right, is is that that's your internal? That is my self validation. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're getting close. Tutorial coming soon. Tutorial (laughs) coming soon. You're gonna we're gonna go in depth on on Serena 18 one of these days. Well, are we ready for our next topic? Man, we can keep going if we want. We're getting close to an hour. Those that topic was pretty meaty. Honestly, we can like. Do we have like a, a time limit? We don't like technically have a time limit, but I was thinking keeping it to around an hour, right? Nice and digestible. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And besides, that means that this mystery topic that we aren't talking about right now is all the more reason to tune in for the next episode. I mean, that's right. true, but I also feel like our guest was really excited to talk about this one, but I could also be wrong. Why Wait, don't we so make it the, right. the next topic? Let's do let's do the next topic then. We'll have to. This will be tough for future weeks because we're sort of locking ourselves into a format with this, right? But an hour thirty minutes nah. is pretty good for a bingo match. So I it's got to be pretty good for podcast. a podcast, right? This could this could be longer just because it's the first one. Yeah, it's true. That's... And like it's we don't even have a name. Like we don't even know what we're about. So we'll have to figure that out this week. But uh... yeah, and you the people can vote. 130 is good for a bingo match with an interview. That's why it's good. slots are one or 130. It's good for a bingo match to watch because the longer ones tend to be closer. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. So so before then we move on, um, 
to to the, to the final topic that Juan is excited to talk about. Um, we we sort of did the little exercise of like, could, uh, like could the uh, Division Two break into Division One, right? Like Division Three into Division Two in those pro in the in that pro rel, right? Right now there's sort of there's no guarantee it may happen because we may see you know obviously Rick dropping out of the league. Yeah, um, do you know what's happening with a, that? What do you mean? What's happening with that? I think he is with busy. Rick, like, with is he school. getting replaced, or is there like an extra promotion? To, like, I don't know how that's gonna work. We will figure it out when when it gets to that. But like, gotcha. The the could somebody you know Urbani? I think is probably the biggest shoe in to get to uh, to get to uh, Division Two. But like, who else? Do you think is well poised to to make it into Division Two and why? Because remember they have to win a best of three against like Haywire or Elias or PK, right? Or even Linky maybe, yeah. right? Like there's still, still a tail end of the season to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be really hard for a lot of our top Div Three players. Um, I I haven't like looked into Three A too much. But from what I hear, the grapevine tells me that Jeff and Libre are the most scary people there. Hmm. But the and Dex too. But like we'll have to, Dex still has like a little bit of an extra mile to go in playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think the first order of business is make top two so that you even have a chance at promoting. Because yeah. I don't think that's guaranteed at all mm-hmm. for anyone, even Urbani. It hot take, but. I yeah. think he, it's very possible for Urbani to lose a best of three. Mm. Like, is it likely? I don't think so, but it is possible. So I think, you well, know, as a, as a different player, things. I wanna, I wanna look one match at a time and not how am I gonna do in my rel match because I don't think I'm getting there at all. But <laughs> I can dream. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I would. I don't know if I would say Urbani's a shoe in quite yet. Hmm. She does right. have, or sorry, he has to win against like let's say like Libre and Jeff or Tom. Yeah, right. We haven't yeah, seen we haven't seen at Division Three A crossover with Three B. The first time that's going to happen is going to be in playoffs, right? And anything could happen. Urbani's looking scary, but like Division Three A has still a lot of people at the at the top half. Three mm-hmm. A is mega scary as a div in general. Like, I, right, I, need, I need to ask this question. What's the better division, three B or three A? Ah, that that has to be that has to be a future. That has to be a wait, 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 wait. We can't we can't blow (laughs) that low. Three B, like the end of discussion. We can't we can't we can't. (laughs) Look, first of all, we can't blow this topic on the first episode. Second, we need somebody from Division Three A on the show to have this discussion. Because this is right now like the the division three B crew. No, we're B definitely not biased. Crew. What? Like, right? No, this is an unbiased decision <laughs> or discussion. I am 3D. going to. I'm going to press the the table button. There's no such thing, but I'm pressing it. We're going to table this discussion for a future episode. All right, but yeah, right now div three B, better. Um, All right. <laughs> let's let's go to their next topic because we're running right. out of time. Yeah. Well, we aren't running out of any time. Well, we've got another. Uh, we got another hour and uh, not an hour hour another like 20 30 minutes so um, oh right 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 yeah so tomato this is this is your topic and juan was excited for it so i'm i'm ready let's go so pretty sure my topic was 
uh, let me let me take a good look here. What makes a good commentator? That's the one one, right? That's the one we're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, no, yes, no. Okay, perfect. So, I guess I'll open this up with like I feel like there's a consensus that Lego is one of, if not the best commentator in the scene right now. But I that I feel very honored that you that you say so. Look, you're sick. Okay, give yourself some more credit, homie. Dude, Lego but, is an S tier commentator. Yeah. We but, aren't making, uh, we aren't like, making a tier list. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no tier oh, list. God, that would be so toxic. That would be incredibly <laughs> toxic. That's why I don't want to do it. Terrible analysis. That is D tier. <laughs> and they're just watching. It's like, damn. But mm -hmm. yeah. But like, what makes him good? And I think, for one, it's his understanding of the game. So I think he is very good analysis. I think that a lot of that also is reflected in his routing skill as a player. Mm -hmm. And I think he has good understanding of what's going on. At the same time, this man's charisma. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. Just listen to him. All right. This is, the, this, is the, this is not the, this is not the, this is not the, this is not the Lego praise. This is not the Lego praise podcast. <laughs> uh, look, I'm just spitting. Okay. I'm just telling the truth, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so when you hit that intro, what is up, Sunshine fans? Welcome back to the Bingo Podcast. Or the podcast. The bingo guys. Podcast. That's <laughs> the, the only content podcast. on this channel, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome we... back to another Division Two match. We you know, like, about, uh, I was going to say, we should talk about Lego's upcoming, because he started comming, was it last division? Yeah, I That's commentated cool. before I started running. Um, which obviously presents its own set of challenges. Look, I will, I will say that I think one of the things that, that makes an effective commentator is, like you mentioned, you need to have a baseline of knowledge about the game. Um, I think you, you, it, is, it is good to, um, and I think you know, everybody enters the commentary booth for the first time nervous and you know, not, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of an uncomfortable position. You're putting yourself out in front of a lot of people, right? And you will develop the knowledge as you commentate, right? But having that baseline knowledge of, uh, of how things go together is, 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 is fantastic, right? And I think uh -huh. you, you touched on this link between routing skill and commentary prowess. Um, and I think you can, you can pretty confidently say that for a lot of the, the sort of canonical great commentators, right? You know, folks like Jeff, folks like Larvi, folks like Bry, right? All are great routers, right? And so bring a lot of, a lot of knowledge into the booth, um, that they can then sort of dispense and, and, um, and, and share out with. Uh, with others. I think that that makes it super effective. But you can't talk about a single commentator in a vacuum because the commentary pair, there's a reason why commentary is done in pairs. And it's not done, um, it's not done just put Bry in a booth and have Bry talk for an hour plus, right? Um, I don't know, that'd be quality. <laughs> <laughs> Bry but definitely yeah. has one of the top voices, IMO. Yeah, but I think the I think the commentary pair is is so important uh, because it allows for both people in the pair to sort of shore up each other's weaknesses, right? You've got a stronger router, a stronger game knowledge person. You can pair them with somebody who has weaker game knowledge, 
um, maybe more, you know, quote-unquote charisma, if that's what you want to call it, right? I call it more sort of the ability to ask good questions um, and sort of um, invert it on its head, right? You know, there's, you know, the, the, the terms, you know, color commentary versus play-by-play, right, comes, comes to mind here where you have somebody who is calling the action, who is sort of posing the correct questions, and you have the color commentator uh, merge in sort of that, now fill in the gaps in the play-by-play knowledge, provide the new insight, the novel, the novel sort of, uh, the novel thoughts, um, and then it gets bounced back and forth, right? It's that, it's that dynamic duo of, of back and forth conversation that I think makes an effective commentator, right, is, is really an effective duo. Because I think you can put a really good game knowledge person who may not have a ton of charisma or may not have a ton of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a ton of sort of outgoing, right? You have to be comfortable speaking, right? You have to be comfortable speaking to an audience, um, you know, for a lot of people, uh, English is not their first language, so obviously that presents a that presents a barrier sometimes, as well as terms of confidence, which is mm-hmm. it's it's tough, right? But le- that's why pairing with somebody who um, uh, who has that confidence and is able to sort of ask the right questions and sort of coax the knowledge out, right? So that way, put you know put your co-commentator at ease, make them feel included and and part of the part of the team and right like and and let that dy- dynamic back and forth develop um because the best commentary ends up being more like a conversation with with sort of breaks in between as opposed to sort of just observing what is strictly going on on the screen yeah wow that was that was well put i, I like i have so many things i want to pick apart in that but i'm gonna i guess pick two one is mm-hmm what makes an insightful question that creates good discussion and the other is how has your perspective as a restreamer that's been listening to commentators talk impacted your own view on commentary and do you plan to like take anything from that and like yeah sorry go for it that's good um i would say so the first half of that is like what makes an insightful question right which is which is why I think you need that game knowledge, right? Which you develop by watching bingo. You don't necessarily have to play it, right, to to be a good commentator. I think a lot about, as much as I don't like the person, I think a lot about Monte Cristo in the league scene when I think about sort of effective commentary. Um, and if you don't know who Monte Cristo is, good, um, but he's a uh, he was a league uh, shoutcaster for League of Legends, um, who's well known for um, not being the best at the game. Um, uh, he, I think, if you know the rank system in League, he was like silver two, right? But he is widely regarded as one of the best sort of thinkers and analytical minds on the comment on the commentary side, as sort of like one of the top. Um, one of the top sort of color commentators, despite his his lack of game, in-game skill. Um, and I think that that's, that's a good model for, I think, a number of people who may not necessarily be pushing for sub-120 times in any percent or pushing for, you know, who will be in Division One. I. I think you can still be a very effective color commentator without that 
without that necess- without that necessarily. Um, uh, but to get back to sort of the original question of like what makes an insightful question, I think you need to take that knowledge, right, and formulate formulate it in a in a way that will get at sort of a a core point or a core conceit um, that is that is sort of the what you think is interesting for the viewers to discuss, right? Like if you're if you're watching a match and you see like multiple routes. Uh, that could be that could be pulled together, right? One of the best questions that I like to ask is after we've discussed a route is okay, how do how does your opponent counter that, right? How do you, how do you transition against a particular route? Um, because I think that that's one of the the critical questions when it comes to sort of routing, especially in these sort of disparate matches where the speed differential is very large and the routing de- dif- or very large is large and the routing differential may be there or not um, because it's important to think about how is the slower player in the matchup going to be able to either counter or transition out of being sniped um, and being able to encapsulate that. And then so you, you take that as a core center question, right? It's like, how do you counter this? Um, and then you, you postulate this theory you build up sort of a theory and it's okay to be wrong when you're asking these questions, right? It's not you, as long as you're presenting it in the form of a question, you can say outlandish shit and get away with it. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> and so you, you take the cork and see, okay, how are these routes going to interact? How do you counter this route? And you say, well, if he starts Bianco is the Pianta start going to set you up well for uh, the remainder of the card? Uh, to, to bring a recent example into this, right? And sort of that, that question then invites your commentary pair to first observe what you've just asked and B, start to put the pieces together in their head and be like, well, yes, because there's these goals on the card, right? And if you go deep, you get set up for this, right? But you have to go deep in order to get it. And if you don't, you get this, right? And then you're, you're able to take in that information and build another question, right? Or build another another thing you want to bring up and then continue the discussion that way, right? It is, commentary is a very purposeful conversation, right? That you're having with your with your partner. And so you have to sort of approach it as, I'm going to take this information, blend it together, synthesize something new and toss it back. It's a, it's, it's a back and forth that you have to, you have to really cultivate. Because if you don't cultivate it, then you end up with, uh, it gets awkward really fast, um, as as has been been demonstrated. Damn, I, I'm feeling like I'm listening to like my professor talk. Like <laughs> this is how you write your essay. <laughs> is this going to be on the exam? Should I have taken notes? Fortune. I definitely <laughs> took notes, dude. <laughs> see, Juan, we're gonna, notes after this. We'll duo again, and then this time we'll talk more about how the routes interact as opposed to why Ramado's a weenie. So, that, yeah, that's and that, true. and and uh, I'll touch on sort of the the second half of that, which is like I've listened to a lot more commentary now by virtue of of restreaming, um, and it's always interesting to hear new uh, to hear sort of new voices to the commentary booth, new pairings, right? Like, I think. I think it is pretty confident. I, I can say this pretty confidently, and I think a lot of people will agree with me when I say not every commentary pair will necessarily work out right away. Um, mm-hmm. The the goal is contrasts, right? You know, peanut butter and chocolate, right? 
are contrasts, but they complement each other, right? You can't have two completely diametrically opposed things or two, two diametrically opposed sort of styles and people. Sometimes it really works. Sometimes it doesn't, right? But you also can have two of the same thing in uh, in a in in a uh, in a commentary booth because too much of the same thing means that there's you you don't sort of get that dynamic back and forth if you're just sort of echoing each other is what you want to avoid, um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and sort of you 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 end up in situations where you know you want somebody who can challenge you you want somebody who can push back against what you're saying, right? And that comfort level comes with more and more time in the booth, right? You know, yep. you, you want you want to be with somebody who can challenge you and push back and 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 say, wait, hold on, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Like, that's a stupid idea. Why did you say that? Right? Like you you want <laughs> that element in there. And that comfort level only comes with familiarity and comes with practice, right? And recognizing that you're in the commentary booth for the service of the viewer. You aren't in there to just shoot the shit and podcast, right? Some of that's, some of that's okay, right? You can be funny. You can make jokes. You can, you can let the humor come in, right? It makes it real, right? But you can't treat it like it's an opportunity to just, just talk about whatever, right? You, you're, you're in service to the viewers and mm-hmm. keeping that at, at the center means that everything you should be doing is to help the viewer understand something, help the viewer recognize when a play is happening, help the viewer understand and elevate their knowledge of bingo. So that way they can, they can use that knowledge and better understand future plays and future decisions. I think SMS bingo as a game also like lends itself to having like substantive commentary uh, because I don't know, I do so much Tetris commentary, which is mm. part of why I started commentating SMS bingo in the first place. Um, and the way that game works is like rounds will be over in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many things going on. There's like five pieces being placed every second. It's impossible to talk about every single micro decision that's being made. Mm-hmm. So a lot of commentary devolves into these sort of like shooting the shit and yeah. like talking about like not necessarily about the match and mm-hmm. just like other topical things mm-hmm. or like maybe player history things like that um and i feel like I, that is like a weakness in my own commentary is that i because i'm used to doing commentary that isn't necessarily based on analysis and rather based on conversation and like knowledge about the players and the results as opposed to like the game mm-hmm um like again there's obviously like occasional important crucial decisions that i do point out but i i feel like it's not done enough and i feel like that reflects negatively on my commentary in sms there's also games yeah. the same sorry there's there's also games that are just tough to commentate so uh i don't know if i've talked about the fact that i've commentated many other games other than uh other than just uh just specifically uh, uh, SMS. I've commentated, um, let's see, I commentated TF2 for a while, I commentated League for a while, I did some well, commentary for Battle Right, right? Nothing on, in, in sort of like big capacity, but, you know, sort of small indie stuff that was going on at the time. Um, and there are games that are just tough to commentate. Um, not just from a, from a, like the gameplay itself being tough to commentate, but like the game format itself doesn't lend itself well to commentary 
um, and it sort of becomes it becomes tough to to sort of formulate theses and 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 sort of have this conversation. Like one of the canonical examples I have is like TF two is really tough to commentate, especially in the format that I was uh, I had the expertise in, which was Highlander, because it's a nine v nine format, and yeah, when there's nine people playing against nine people. And there's any number of action points that are happening on the map at any one given time, right? You will are likely to miss a lot of critical play and decisions just by the virtue of the fact that there's so many disparate points of action, right? Which also mm-hmm. makes TF2 a tough game to watch because it's hard to capture all of that information. And they've, they've done a really good job in the TF2 community of trying to make it easier and easier to watch. But you compare that game to something like CSGO. And forget the fact that CSGO is widely more popular than TF2, but CSGO is also a slower pace of game, right? Which makes it easier to commentate because there's only so much action going on at any one given point that you can appropriately build and contextualize the action on screen, right? Tetris, I think, is is one of those things that's probably too hectic to really be able to do that sort of building. SMS has these natural points where the action will swell and then fall back right? You have these natural 30-second yep. breaks, mm-hmm. basically, in between levels because of the shine select and the entrance cutscene and all of that, right? You have the cutscenes yep. at the beginning, right? Like, SMS is built to be a spectator sport, and we as commentators need to be sure that when we're in the commentary booth, we're doing our best to showcase the the depth that we know exists in the, in this particular game. And I think that that's what makes a good commentator is somebody who's entering into the commentary every single time thinking, how can I share my knowledge and my co-caster's knowledge and share it with everybody who's watching um, and enrich this scene and this this game with the depth and the breadth that it provides almost 20 years later? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question for you. So, I mean, people obviously know I am the most unbiased commentator out mm-hmm. there. No bias whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. What do you think about bias in comment commentating in bingo? That's a good. That's a good topic. I don't know, Tomato. Do you? I've been talking a lot. I'm. I'm curious if you have thoughts on that because yeah. I want to hear yours. Bias is. It's really interesting because. It's like if you have stake in a match, it's hard not to be biased and people will more often sign up for matches that they have stake in because it's more interesting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I like like I think bias can be a good or a bad thing because on one hand, biased commentary, it first of all, it should never be in a negative way. So if you're biased in a way by and you're saying the other player is bad, because of your bias, that is bad. But, mm. like, bias in favor of someone, as in, like, I think this play was really good, let's go. That can create energy, that can create hype, that can lead to positive consequences, as long as there's, like, nothing that's genuinely hurtful or negative in the mm. bias. But mm. it also needs to be clear to the viewer like that the bias exists so that they mm-hmm. can like they take can away it. like a more yeah they can create like an unbiased opinion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, I, it's a very difficult to balance sorry i i feel like i'm not necessarily being clear but <laughs> i think i tend to um like shoot for the underdog 
most times. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Is if you if you if you're going to be biased, it, biased towards the underdog is 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 usually the the thing. The way I see it for bias is uh, you're not going to avoid it. Everyone is biased yep. in their own way, right? Whether they are you know huge um, huge Romano stands or huge paper stands or whatever, right? Like or Samu stands or whatever. Um, you're always, everyone's always going to have some bias in them. They want to see people, their friends win. They want to see, you know, they want to see, you know, people win um, that they feel like have played well or like deserve it and, and, and that sort of thing. And like, that's fine. I think your point about if you let it impact your, your opinion negatively on, on, an, on your, uh, on one of the people, that's like the risk, right? But you can be excited for a player who's an underdog. You can be excited for, uh, a particular player, but you always got to remember, right, that you're you're doing this uh, for the benefit of uh, of the community watching, and so it's uh, it's less, uh, you know, I, I, it's not avoidable. It's hard to avoid it. I don't think you should try to avoid it because I think it'll stilt your language and stilt how you commentate. But you should be cognizant of it. You should be aware that you have this bias, and try to correct. Uh, and you know, don't don't go too hard, right? You're there to help provide color and insight into the match first and foremost. You can fanboy for your for your pals later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> All right, so I have another point, mm-hmm. um, and this is interview questions at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have particular go-to questions per format, or do you just base your questions solely off of like events on the match? I. So I personally, I think people will probably recognize that I have a particular format for how I try to approach the interview. I think during the match, I'm thinking about moments where like decisions were made or goals were clicked that I want to make sure I talk about. Um, uh, and I always want to start off with understanding understanding what the decision-making was at the beginning of the match, right? Because that helps color a lot of the other other stuff that goes on, right? And helps mm-hmm. file away in my brain what happened in the match, and I can match it up to the, the, the early game decision-making, right? But if you start with... Because not only does starting with the start give you time to do that filing, it also gets both competitors sort of in on the conversation, right? And then they can start asking each other questions, right? Yeah. Bingo is yep. weird in that you essentially go into a silo for an hour and you come out and you have no idea other than like zero to 13 clicks from your opponent what went on. And so, um, yep. and so, you know, we, uh, that information exchange, the interview is more for the competitors to sort of rationalize their experiences in their brain more so than it is necessarily for us to, you know, as commentators to ask a lot of questions, right? There is occasionally opportunities for us to ask good questions, such as like on pivotal moments or like key clicks in a match, right? I try to identify going into the interview, the one to two clicks that I felt like changed or set the match on its final path, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think that, you know, if you're able to identify that, then you can steer the conversation towards, like, what was happening up into that decision 
um, and how it came out of it. Um, and so the interview is a difficult part because it's, it's a scrum, basically. It's like four people in the booth at once and like everyone's talking and you want to give everybody the right, you know, the right, the right space to be able to ask. Um, and, but I would start with something general. I would start with, you know, what did you evaluate the card as? Like what, you know, what rows were you playing for in Invasion? What starts were you considering in Lockout? What goals did you want to, to start? What was your early game plan? And then transition that into, okay, so you did this and this, and then you ended up here. What was your decision-making on pivotal goal, right? Like for instance, yep. the, the one that's coming to mind right now, cause it was just so recently was like Jeff versus Danny. The critical goal there was was 20 from 2. And so the interview, we wanted to push towards that 20 from 2, right? And sort of like, what did it represent? What did it, what what was the decision making that went into picking that as the, as the pivotal goal, right? What made Danny prioritize it? What made Jeff not prioritize it? Et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, and from there, you can sort of unpack the rest of the match. But if you're able to, to get on a specific question or a specific a uh, specific goal or set of decisions that were made, then your interview has structure because then you're going from the intro to, of the match. How did it start? You go to the middle of the match. What was this pivotal decision? And then you go into the denouement, the the end, what happened at the end, and then sort of, again, wrap it up with uh, anything else they want to ask, right? Because, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're obviously curious. You see, you know, seven links clicked and you're like, wow, what did you do? Or like, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's, there's always questions like that, so. Mm -hmm. I think for Invasion, like, my go-to question is always about the player's starts. Because you, you don't know if you're if the second player rushed what you were doing or did they rush what they were doing. I mean, unless both players clicked their first goal around the same time, you can't really say for sure what yeah. they did at the beginning. Yeah, and, like, and like covering covering the the opening i think is important because it just sort of it helps it helps get your your mind back to sort of the start of the match to remember what were the decisions that were made at the beginning and how did those uh how did those impact sort of the rest of the match mm -hmm. i think it's I, I feel like there's a couple things that really impede good interviews the first one is that commentators like they'll they'll note a critical point right and i know i'm guilty of this myself which is why i mention it so they'll note a critical point in the match but then the, their instinct is like i want to make sure we talk about this critical point so then they instantly mention the critical point mm -hmm. and i think that kind of also goes hand in hand with the fact that a lot of interviews need to be cut short uh, yeah. as a result of scheduling which makes a lot of sense because like the, then, like you fear as a commentator, like what if I start this buildup and can never make my final point before? Right. Like we know the match was long, we need to get to the next one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's, I feel like yeah. it's difficult to balance. Sorry. Yeah. Go for it. No, I think that's like a common failure mode for interviews is to end up sort of like rushing to get to a specific question. I think the other failure point, and what I think makes like not as strong of an interview, is. The comment, like what what I sometimes like to call the commentator lecture hour, where mm -hmm. it's the the only things that are being asked in the interview is, did you know that you can do so and so thing, or like did you know that you can do such and such, or right like like saying like it's the commentator explaining what they would have done, which is yeah. interesting 
in in some aspects, especially when it's sort of higher division to lower division players, right? Talking about like this was not an effective route, and here's why, et cetera, et cetera, right? But like mm-hmm. it ends up it ends up sort of obscuring what happened during the match. Um, uh, from and you're really there to hear from the players. You're not here to tell the players everything, right? There's 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 yeah. venues yeah. to do that afterwards. Um, is what I'm getting sure. at, and so I think it's more effective to let the let the players talk, right? Set, you know, it's the same thing with like commentary, right? You got to tee up good questions. You've got to tee up good good uh, good questions and good discussion topics, and let your players run with them. Um, you're not, you are no longer the star of the show when the interview starts. You're the players are. Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I think Mike was saying actually that interviews are our weakest point for this uh, league. It's tough. Interviews, commentary yeah, is already it's tough like the enough. Hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> commentary is already tough. Interviews, whole different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> we'll master uh, it someday. We'll yeah. get there. We'll, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. And do we want to well, move on to our last? topic or this is like we last? have a last topic i wasn't yeah, aware it was like our segue it. to like close it you know yeah i see I, well well yeah i guess we'll, we'll we are about at time so um yeah so we talked about a lot covered the league talked about uh, what makes division one division one and division two division two and division three division three and we closed out with some some commentator uh shooting the shooting the shit as it were um, and yeah. that, I think, wraps up the first episode of the Untitled Bingo Show. We did it, guys. Yeah. Dude, I can't congrats. believe it. <laughs> Let's go. So I'm planning on getting this audio recording, probably. Um, and I'll have to download it because I forgot to record it locally. But um, we'll try to get that up in a location that people can listen to. We will... Yep. Um, Obviously, I will open a channel in the League Discord. Go to sms.bingo slash Discord um, to join if you aren't already, but I think all, all of you already are. Um, as you should be. Dude, we're gonna as you should be. We're going to have something for the Sunshine Community Bingo channel. Yeah, and we'll, we'll figure yeah. out, the, uh, we'll figure out the, the uh, audio hosting. We'll figure out the title. We'll make a poll or something, um, and we'll hunt for another guest. Thanks for hopping on this one. It was, it was great having you, and you were quite a insightful pair in this conversation. <laughs> Thank you for having yeah. me. I'd love to come back anytime. We'll Let's have go. to, we'll get some variety. So if you're interested yeah. in, in joining the untitled bingo show, please reach out to tomato or executive yep, producer tomato. Um, I like how I'm getting the credit, but you did all the work. It's guys. <laughs> all right. Dude, Lego, Lego carried the show. Okay. Just, just so you know. Okay. Give him some love. Well, RV, we're gonna have to open up booking at some point, anyway. But uh, yeah, um, there is, there are hidden secret criteria. <laughs> there are <laughs> hidden to talk can. about before I sign up again. <laughs> yeah, you have to improve your time. Even though I didn't sign up for this one, I just I found out about that I was apparently on it for like five minutes before. But yeah, that's worth my it. bad. That's, that's my how bad. you know it. <laughs> that's how that's you know how I, we're professional yeah prof- yeah i i genuinely do like this this comment this this podcast it is very professional <laughs> <laughs> yep yep all right any I, closing thoughts? A meme. I i um, think we've we've got it all right so thanks for tuning right. in everybody we will see you next week for another episode 
of the Untitled Bingo Show. But for now, we will have to uh, leave the studio as I'm hearing footsteps on the roof. <laughs> it is probably Yoshi. Um, they are collecting the shine up there. Um, have a great night, everybody. Bingo starts again uh, this Wednesday, 11 Pacific, 12, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we'll see you then. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in.